Welcome to Ava, the Relationship Maker podcast, where we talk about different subjects, but most importantly, what relationships represent to us and how we cannot make it on our own. We need people to be surrounded with. And uh, today I have a very special guest, uh, and he had been on my uh, podcast a few times. His name is Sibusiso Vilane. He lives in Swaziland, South Africa. And um, we were supposed to do a different kind of podcast, but something happened in his life. One of his friends that he had been friends since uh, 1996, 27 years, a person that was very involved in Sibusiso's uh, climbing. If you don't know, his name is John Double. And um, I would like to just introduce you a little bit, Sibusiso. Um, He's a South African legend. He lives in Swaziland. He climbed all the seven summits. The Everest, he climbed twice. Also involved in so many charitable nonprofits that it's uh, really hard to mention all of them. And you research him, you're going to find out some of the charities. I'm going to mention some. He's involved in Mandela Bengal program. This is his uh, quote, says, the future entirely depends on the education of children, their access to information to broaden their thinking and understanding of the ever-changing and challenging world. Basically, the Mandela Bengal Foundation gives books to, uh, to Mandela Day School Library. He also uh, is very involved in helping young men especially, to become more assertive, to see that there is a way out and there is a way to succeed. So he has a, a radio show, My Climb, Your Climb, uh, Born to Win. It's a running club. And um, I could go on and on. The one thing that I would like to still um, pull out is that uh, he climbs every year the Kilimanjaro in the honor of Nelson Mandela, and that's uh, on the, on his birthday. And also it's 20 years uh, this year that he first climbed Mount Everest. He climbed it twice. He climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, Mount Everest, Aconcagua in South America, Mount Elbrus in Europe, Karsten's Pyramid in Oceania, Vincent Mastiff in Antarctica, and Denali Mount in North America. Uh, he's married and has four children, three girls, and managed to have also a son, even though he's going, it's a minority in his uh, household, I suppose. Hello, Sibusiso. If you have something else to add, yes. One more thing. I, I almost forgot. He uh, was awarded the Order of Ikamanga Bronze by President Mbeki. And he was also at Buckingham Palace, met the Queen, and he was recognized as uh, one of the mountaineers. Did I forget something? Hi, Eva. No, no, you haven't forgotten anything. And thank you very much indeed for that introduction. It was uh, quite a handful that you mentioned there, but all of it, all of it very much attributed to John Doble, um, who I have sadly lost um, about a few days ago. And I want to thank you for allowing me to share his story and uh, um, our experiences together. 
because I will not mince words by saying that um, had it not for John Doble, you wouldn't be speaking or talking to me today and mentioning all the things that you've just mentioned, which I have done. It is all because of him that I am today. That's so amazing. So I know that you met him in 1996. So 27 years of friendship, it's quite an achievement. How did you meet him? And uh, what was the relationship between the two of you in the beginning and how it developed to, uh, to, to be able to maintain this friendship? Can you tell me a little bit about uh, how you met him and what did he do and who was he, basically? Who was he? I was still working as a as a game ranger, but I was I would spend a, a few of the days at the reception area, meaning signing people in and out of the game reserve. And it wasn't an, an area where people needed guides. You could walk on your own because even though they were wild animals, they were not that... Uh, uh, big cats or dangerous animals that could harm or kill people. So it was easily a hiking place. I had started working at 6 a.m. on a Saturday, uh, February, a Saturday, 1996. And I remember, well, when John signed in, it was a quick uh, sign in the logbook and then pay your entrance and then you go away. So we never really spoke much, but he went for a short walk. And it so happens that when he was coming back to drive out of the game reserve, I had decided, bizarrely or strangely, not to finish off work and just walk away uh, to the rangers camp. I still hung around and I was talking to the person who had taken over from me when from a distance I overheard a conversation between John and the and my work colleague, where John was admiring the place where I worked, and he said, my friend, you work in such a beautiful place. I just done this short walk, and I didn't feel comfortable walking alone on my own because it is such a very big area. All I want to know is, are, are there any people or, or groups of hikers that I can join on a weekend because I would like to come back here? And my, my colleague very correctly said, I'm sorry, so people that come and walk here, they they come and walk with their own groups of friends. So he was saying, I cannot possibly recommend anyone um, that I know or any hiking club or anything. It was there, that moment, overhearing this conversation that my chest started pounding, saying, talk to him, talk to him. And when he posed the next question where he said, do you think there's a guy, is there any guy I can ask from the local community or area that can accompany me? Then that was my moment. So I stood up and I said to him, I'm Sibu Sisko. I'm one of the, the rangers here and I know this place very well. If you really want to do a walk in the in this game reserve in the future, let me know when I'm off duty. I'll, be, I'll gladly uh, take you or accompany you. Then he mentioned who he was uh, and what was uh, his duty. So he tells me that he's just arrived in the country of Swaziland, uh, having posted to serve there as the British High Commissioner after four years in South Africa and Mozambique as the British Consul General. So he was working for the British Foreign Office and immediately sort of uh, dawns on me that this is a very important person. You cannot just go out there and cause scenes, so you, you have a big responsibility. But I was really happy to do it. 
So I gave him the days when I would be next on my time off. And he telephoned to confirm if I was still available, of which I said, absolutely, I'm still available. So on the Saturday of his second walk in the game reserve, he was only about less than a month old in the country. So we didn't have any friends or knew anybody. So I'd be one of his first friends, really, to say, if I can call it that way, because we did our first walk together and I helped him throughout the long five-hour walk and he really enjoyed it and thanked me very profoundly saying oh, you are so kind to give me your time it's amazing because you don't know me from anywhere but I appreciate your your time today and then I thought oh well he's a, he's a gentleman he's not he's just making me happy he wasn't going to ask to walk with me again because we had a very long tough walk and I was tired after that but anyway, on the Monday, as a gentleman, he telephoned to thank me again for having given him of my time. And then two weeks later, he asked if I was available to walk with him again. And then that is when we got to know each other. So that is how I met John. And then immediately I realized that he was a person who loved other people. He liked people and he liked Southern Africa um, as as because of his experience in both Mozambique and South Africa, and then in 96 to 1999 in, in Swaziland. He he really felt at home, and I think the, the impression he had of the region was such that um, he would not really leave, um, even if after retirement, he would every now and then come and visit. But that was the start, and that is how we met. It was one of those bizarre meetings where... You hear a stranger and then you you somehow offer to give them um, your time and it leads to something that you never anticipated because I never thought we would be talking 27 years of friendship, 27 years of mentorship and 27 years of, of brotherhood. Um, but here we are today as we speak and celebrate his life. Isn't it interesting when we, when we listen to our intuition Many people, they have the fear, but they are shy. They say, oh, later. But when you listen, you don't just listen, but you act on it. Amazing things happen. Absolutely. Um, I, I'm an advocate, and I'm a very strong believer in that. And I think my intuition has led me or guided me to amazing possibilities and meeting amazing people because of listening to that little voice that says, step up and just go to that person and talk to them and if you and then you allow them the opportunity to talk to you and give them your time and then miracles do happen but it is just listening to that yeah. um, and the thing all of us really can can tap into it and it's amazing uh, what we can do and experience building relationships uh, it just you have got to follow your instinct beside being a high-ranked official who represented England, who was he as a person? It, I see that you you go you both warmed up to each other and you were talking about I, I suppose he loves the outdoors, so do you. So how I don't know if you yes. understand well, what apart, I mean. Yeah, apart, apart yes, apart from his high ranking position as a diplomat, when when he wasn't wearing his suit and tie, wearing his ordinary uh, khaki pants and and uh, walk hiking shoes. You wouldn't tell that he's the ambassador for for England in all this country. So that's that's how he was. He was a down to earth, 
laid back person, uh, very social, and he loved he loved history. So if, if everywhere he went, even in Swaziland, even in South Africa, he was much more attracted to the people, to the, the their way of life. We got interested in their history and went into detail visiting historic historic sites. And, and obviously loving the outdoors and to walking and hiking. Also a very, um, he was a big, he was a fanatic of horse racing, but he, he wasn't because he, he would, so he would uh, go to stables and sometimes making or forging relationships where he could go on a, on a Saturday just to, to ride horses and, uh, and help them uh, when they were training and the gallops. And up, in fact, I, he did it up until he was about 80 years old, uh, quite recently, and even when he went back to England. But that was, he was, he was that sporty person, not as athletic as I am, but walking was his thing. But the biggest of it all, he was a person that was always willing to share what he had, be it the love for people, be it his, his money or finances, he never held back. He had that giving hand, wanting to support and wanting to help a person. In fact, I learned from him that you need to appreciate every action or every act by another person by either giving them a handshake or giving them something to, to John will never walk away from an experience by another person who was profoundly thanking them. You could just feel that he was the person who was very grateful for every moment that uh, if a person had given him time. So he was that kind of perfect person. He was a loving person. He was a giving person. I always joke to many people and say, had, had he been a billionaire, I would have probably climbed all the mountains that I wanted to climb in my life. But he he was he shared the little that he had and we which we achieved so much. So so that was John for you. Very interested in other people. He would stop and talk to people and ask, what is your name? Even if it was a small child, I think if I was to use what I'd noticed with Mandela, I would say he pretty much has that spirit as well of wanting to get to know who the person was. It didn't matter how old or how young you were. He will give you that time. Isn't it interesting listening to you and knowing a little bit about you? Um, because really, I just met you like uh, two years ago, I believe. I find that you are that kind of person, and I think you attracted it to each. You were attracted to each other to be friends because you are also very giving, and uh, and you care about people. And I think that's such an amazing character to have, to uh, to be interested and uh, to be so open. Because people definitely going to uh, you're going to attract the right people because who you are uh how did you how did it come up the himalayan when you went to mount everest to uh, to have the sponsorship uh, did he offered or you asked or what did happen that that is a very that's another very interesting story ever because um it was on our second walk uh, in the nature reserve where I, I said to John, just um, allow me to sort of show you a very spectacular place uh, where there's a, a river and then we will be crossing some rocks and, and then we will get to a beautiful uh, waterfall and we will see that. And then we go, we, then we go home. He said, okay, that would be fine. So that's what we did. 
But as we got to the bottom of the waterfall, I had been helping him crossing the river and and scrambling on small rocks and I guiding him safely. But we got to the bottom of this waterfall and John looked up and thought, I wonder if it was possible for anyone to climb up on the sides of this waterfall to have a view of it from its highest point, from the very top, because we'd come from the bottom. So I said to him, absolutely, we can do that. Uh, If you follow me, I'll be able to guide you up. And we scrambled along this very rocky cliff and eventually we got to the top of the waterfall. And he had the view that he wanted, but he also had a different view because there was a view of how I was climbing, how I was, I had this agility and how my physique was. And then he didn't keep it to himself because when we got back down where, where the at the bottom of the waterfall, he said to me, well, Sibus, so you know what? I've been watching you today as we were walking and you were helping me crossing the river and scrambling on these rocks and I look at you you don't show any fear you climb with such ease and such agility and he said I think you you would have made a good climber so I thought well um, why do people climb mountains anyway so I said to him look I don't really understand why people do these things and I've been I've seen many people who come here hiking and others hanging on rocks and stuff I really don't feel connected to it And then at that moment, he said to me, it's amazing because I do believe that there are other young Africans who have the same ability and the same talent as you are. But it's so extraordinary that in more than 40 years since Hillary climbed, uh, Hillary and Tenzing climbed Everest in 1953, it is 1996 and it has never been attempted by an African. But I look at you and your ability I think other Africans have got what what you have to be able to have been able to climb Everest. And then at that moment, I thought, where is Mount Everest? Because I'd never uh, heard about it. I'd never seen Everest. And I said to him, are we talking about a mountain which is overseas? So he said, yeah, absolutely. It is in the Himalayan range of mountains, this vast range with tall mountains covered in snow and ice. And by that time, I'd never seen snow in my life. And I didn't really know what he was talking about. But so I said to him, well, if you are talking about a mountain which is overseas, then you realize that there is no African who can afford to buy a ticket to travel overseas to climb a mountain because you know what? We have got challenges of our own. We can't possibly afford it. And I was just thinking about the traveling costs. I didn't know that you've got to pay for permits. You've got to have special equipment or anything. But anyway, my comment pretty much triggered another question from John because the next question was, well, if you had the resources, meaning if you had the money and you have got everything that you will need to climb Everest, would you do it? And that's the question he posed to me. And at that age, without having seen a picture of Everest or read about Everest being blank, I suddenly thought to myself, but but why would you want to do it in the first place? So I, it's very interesting because years later, I realized that that was very important for me to sort of critic myself with the reason why would you want to do it? I didn't know that that would play a major role on the mountain, the reason why. So very quickly, I found an answer, which was a very lame answer, but much more comforting to me. I say to him, probably I was just didn't want to feel embarrassed to say no. So I said, absolutely, if I get the resources to climb Everest, I'll do it. And I didn't really know how high Mount Everest was when I said this. <laughs> but but it, it, had, uh, it had just made John 
getting much more excited and interested because following up on that, he said, well, if you don't mind, I will just try and find out how people get involved, but I'm not promising anything. So that is how Everest came about, was that little discussion between him and I. And then John took this further and thought, I want to make this happen. So I made inquiries. He started writing letters to people, and he never got any responses. But luckily, in 1999, one of his friends from Johannesburg was climbing Kilimanjaro with his son. So John said to me, oh, so Mac Rogan and I climbed Kilimanjaro in 1990. And he wants to go back there with his son. I'm not interested. If you want, I will be happy to sponsor you. So August of 1999, John sponsored me to go climb Kilimanjaro, the highest mountain in Africa, which I summited in the early morning hours. Watching the sunrise from the highest point in Africa was very inspiring. So I looked at that and I thought, you go back home and tell him that you do want to attempt that mountain you once spoke about called Everest. And that was three years later. So I went back uh, to work to back home to South Africa, and I said to John, "Thank you very much for allowing me an opportunity to climb a mountain. And now that I've, I've climbed Africa's highest mountain, I really, really seriously want to attempt that mountain we spoke about called Everest." John said, oh, well, I've been trying, but nobody's responding to me. So I think it was a wild idea. I don't think we ever happen." But it was going to happen because he was channeling his energies towards that. So in 1999, sadly, or at the same time, thank goodness it happened because he then took early retirement. He went back to England, which is a climbing culture. So everywhere you go on the weekend, people are climbing mountains. And it didn't take long for John to find a company that was going to plan in an Everest expedition to climb, to coincide with its 50th anniversary. So I received a letter from John, handwritten, pen and paper. Dear Sibusi, so I found a company in Sheffield that organizes uh, trips to mountains and they are planning to put a team together to climb Everest uh, next year. Please write to me as you once indicated that you, if you had the chance to do it, you would do it. This is not my decision. It's I'm not trying to influence you to say yes, but let me know because then we can try and see if we can get you into the team. So then I had to revisit my reasoning. Why? Because then I knew this is quite serious. It's a big mountain. Now I started reading about it and I was scared. But in a way, I also refused to let, to let the opportunity go. So I wrote back to John. I said, absolutely, John. I want to do this because I want to showcase what uh, African people can achieve as well. And this is my opportunity to just shine this, this spotlight on Africa to say Africans can. And John took it. And then obviously the rest is history, as they say, because on the 26th of May, I achieved what I had set out to achieve through his support. We never got corporate sponsorship, but if things are to happen in your life, they will happen. The universe will conspire. And that's what I was hoping it would do this time around, but it didn't, but I still believe it will. So John found one person, one individual, as he mentioned to this person, that I've, I'm trying to help this fellow to climb Everest, but it is such a big course, I can't afford it on my own. I've been trying every company, every other person are turning us down, and the timing is almost pretty much here. We don't have much time. And this person said, John, it is such a, a fantastic story, and I would be happy to be able to support as well. So let's put our monies together and then help this guy. 
And that is how we got the sponsorship. And I'm very grateful to these two men, John being the main player in securing that funding, which then sent, set me off to go climb Everest. And I'm so glad that it worked perfectly, that we summited and we achieved it and we cherished that moment up until his dying days. He still loved the story of me starting from nowhere to the top, which is actually the title of my book. I'm I'm listening in amazement because I see how much you prepare, like how much you run, you still do a lot of things. And you are not 20 years old and you are in an amazing shape and you are, you're still doing it. It's, it's something like you were not even aware of. I know this gentleman, I have been to some of his uh, presentations. Uh, his name is Colin Sprague and he's also from South Africa. And he was the one that was talking about finding your why. When you know your why, you know your purpose. Because if you don't find it, you have all kinds of excuses not to do it. And I think the first... Yes, I agree. Yeah, you went on Kilimanjaro and you got that bug that, yeah, this is something I really would like to do. So it's it's incredible what you achieved. How, how was he as a friend uh, besides uh, being the sponsor? Did you... Uh, you talked a lot? Uh, did you meet uh, a lot or... Where he di did he die? He died in England or uh, he was? Uh, we, yeah, yes. Ever since ever since that first greeting uh, where I introduced myself to him and him uh, introducing himself to me, John and I became closer to each other, much more closer than a brother, actually. And in fact, in, in Zulu, we called each other Mfuyo, which means brother. So that's how close we were. And we communicated every day. Um, from when he was still uh, in, in, in Swaziland and we would every now and then go and do the hiking. Even if he had friends coming from either South Africa or from England, he always made sure that I was available to take them to our beautiful trail. So we've been together um, doing these walks. When he left and went to, to England, he made sure that we wrote to each other and I'm going to miss this because... Uh, uh, there was the one thing that I was, I was priding myself and sharing with people that how many of you still go to a post office with a key, you open your little box and then you open, there's a letter um, that is in an envelope, handwritten, and just we, we were doing that up until probably um, his last letter was last month that I received before before his passing. So we, we consistently did that. And if it was an, an immediate message, or an agent message, then it will telephone me. It was only up until the last couple of years that John got into emailing. And again, it will be just like a short line, um, one or two sentences, and that was that. He never wrote anything longer than a page in on email, preferably on pen and paper. On So that's how we've been keeping in touch. And then it was, it, we, I'll share this because it was very, um, it was very interesting. Um, in 2018, he invited me to join him and a few of his all-time friends to trek um, in Tibet, where we trekked um, around this mountain called Mount Kailash, which has never been climbed by a human being, but you can all, it's a Buddhist uh, shrine and, and, and religious mountain. You can just walk around it. You can't summit it. So that's what we did. They, they call it the, the Kora 
So we did the Kora and we circumnavigating this mountain. And I remember at one of the of the places, it was a very steep section. We got over this little pass and God, John was struggling and, and I, I couldn't understand what was 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 happening. Somehow I realized um that that was probably our last sort of big adventure together because obviously his age, but he was getting much more frail as well, energy levels low. And then about um, two years later, I think he had heart problems. Um, so it got worse and worse. He was not able to do much physical thing. But the one thing that we were both looking forward to up until about maybe two weeks before the trip, he was planning to visit uh, South Africa and Swaziland, and I would meet him. I was going to meet him at the airport, which would have been on the 23rd of uh, of, of April, um, and and driving him around. Oh, 23rd of March it would have been March. Yeah, sorry, it would have been 23rd of March. Driving him around, we would have finished our uh, uh, his 10 day visit on the 4th of April, which is very interestingly, I was sitting at home on my on my stoop just, just as the sun was going down. And a thought suddenly came to me to say, do you remember that today would have been the day that you would be saying goodbye to John? He, he, would have, he would have gone to church in the morning in Soweto, and then he would have uh, traveled to the airport and then he would have taken a bus home. And, and, and somehow, that moment was just for a few seconds. I thought, how oh, well it didn't happen because he then, uh, based on doctor's advice, he was advised not to travel to, to South Africa or to Africa. And apparently it was on the Sunday, but on this it was on the Saturday that he had passed on. So when I was sitting, thinking about this, it was actually John saying, we would have said goodbye to each other. And yes, uh, it is a goodbye because I'm going to a better place. And that is when the moment when John passed on, which was just last week. So we've since that day in 1996, we had never been separated up until um, these, these latter days. Oh, it gives me, you give me goosebumps. It's like, uh, it, it's just, you know, it's very rare that people lately write little notes or never mind notes, but letters, handwritten letters, they are so special. And I was thinking that, have you ever thought about maybe uh, create a little book with his about uh, your correspondence with him? Because it seems very, very special, your friendship, really very special. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, that was, in fact, I was thinking about it just recently as well. In fact, I was thinking that I am just going to sit down and write, and write to him and write my final letter to him, um, handwritten, just like he would have done, knowing that he will only reply uh, spiritually. Um, so I'm going to do that. But yes, absolutely. We are, I'm going to put down our our letters, our correspondence um, uh, that we, we've had in the past and um, to say this is, this is how we did it. And in, now in, in this in this day and age of uh, email and WhatsApp, and John and I still prefer to write to each other. Um, which if if I did, like I'm going to be running, and I'll just go back and come back and write to him and say I just did this race, and it was just phenomenal. And he would tell me that oh well, it was this. So we went 
uh, I went for in fact a week before um, he passed on. He had gone to Scotland, and I'm very sure that he had actually was about to write to me to tell me how it all went. Um, so yes, I will, will definitely do that because it is such a rich, um, a rich thing that we've cut and 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 tradition. Yes, a tradition that is all gone lost now. Nobody does that anymore. Yeah, it's true. And you know what? As you said that you were feeling his passing and you had this uh, this uh, thought, I'm sure he's going to be with you every step of the way when you're going to go climbing because he loved so much the outdoors and I, you were his one of his best friends, if not the best friend. So it's going to be um if are you going to climb uh, mount everest again or other any other mountain do you have it in uh uh in the the future thought and um, ever no um not everest is into climbing it but i will tell you what is happening um after after we we could not um raise the sponsorship which you had very kindly one of the first people to donate to us and john did as well um we couldn't raise the sponsorship to take the family to track to base camp to celebrate this 20 years of my client but here's, here's a bizarre story when i went to everest in 2003 john joined a trekking group so he was he, he tracked to base camp uh, with a group and he wanted to see how i was doing but we never met because when they were at base camp, I had climbed to the higher camps. But the, for two days, when they were resting at base camp before walking out, uh, we were sending little notes, um, which is the other thing that would be in my book, little notes via what we call a male runner, like a, a boy running up and down doing resupplies. I would give him a letter. He would take it down to join to write, and then they come back the next day. So that's, what, that's how we were able to talk to each other when, when I was at base camp. So I decided that even though the family has, is not going, I am still going to trek to base camp. I will still live on the 14th of May, trek to base camp. But this time it is just all about just celebrating John and celebrating our victory together that 20 years ago we were both in the Himalayas and on the slopes of Mount Everest. So that is that about Everest. I'm going to do that. But I am going to take John wherever I go, whether it's a little hike, whether it's a big mountain. And yes, I have got my big mountain plans that I want to climb, that I dream to climb. And it will always be in the spirit of him that I go because I want to take this and make it a legacy and that will never that will never really perish or disappear because he has instilled in me something that I enjoy, that's something that he enjoyed up until his passing days or dying days. I'm going to continue and climb up until I die as well. So yes, absolutely. I'm not going to stop and I will keep on until, and then every time I go, it will just be in just celebrating John's life and him introducing me to this amazing sport where I've grown so much um, uh, because of it. You know what? It's such an amazing uh, when you remember a person who was so important to you. And, you know, people are grieving. But for me, celebration is more important than the grieving part because they become a part of us. And grieving, it means, I don't know, grieving is not, 
it's not a positive way of remembering someone. I don't know if if you if you get what I'm talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, um, absolutely. And um, I think it, I think it is very important for us to to grieve a person when they've passed on, but at the same time be able to celebrate the life they have lived and the life they've influenced in us. And that's why, because of what John has influenced in me with regard to hiking, with regard to climbing mountains, with regard to saving other human humanity and doing things without having to expect to be rewarded or paid back, um, that is too, that's important for us to do that, to celebrate them and, and keep their legacies uh, going as well. So, yes, I'm sad and um, I'm, I'm disappointed, but again, I've accepted that it had to happen and it had to happen this way. Therefore, I will just be the light that he was shining on myself and shining on other people and I will keep on shining his light um, and hoping that someone else one day will look at me and say, I want to shine civil Jesus light further. So we need to continuously do that and celebrate those that we have shared life with, that we have had experiences with. When they are gone, we still make them um, live within us and through us. Well, if you write that book and I'm still here, I'm going to be the first to get it. I promise you that. You have been in my prayers, in my thoughts, and I think you are an incredible person, not just because what you have achieved, because you achieved a lot. It's like more than some people achieve in uh, in 10 lifetimes, but also the person you are. And um, I'm, I'm so blessed to have to know you and to be able to have this uh, this discussion and have this podcast. So um, it's still time. People still can donate if they want, I suppose. And um, right, they still can donate money if they want to sponsor you. And yes, Eva, even though it's changing now, this is what I'm going to say, um, because because of of the of celebrating John, um, uh, I will share another story that is closest to my heart. In 2018, I was leading a group up Kilimanjaro with the Trek Mandela expeditions, which I've mentioned, which raises sanitary pads and all of that for, for to benefit uh, rural girls in South Africa. In the group was a young fellow. He wasn't young as per se, but he was was young, younger than myself. And he he became a very staunch supporter of the Chuck Mandela initiatives. And he went again with me in 2019 to climb Kilimanjaro. He was about to train to go and climb for the third time with us. And then he had uh, mentioned that he would like to climb uh, to base camp with me one day. And, and then unfortunately, we, we were planning to, to climb a mountain in South Africa called in the Drakensberg, as I, I mentioned the Drakensberg to you a number of times. For those that don't know, it is this beautiful range, which uh, is about, so it's so vast, it starts from uh, Zimbabwe, stretching through Lesotho and South Africa, but that's where it's a hiking trail. So Deboho is his name. Him and I were going to be climbing and summiting what is South Africa's highest point in, in, in the Drakensberg. And I WhatsApped him. I sent him a WhatsApp message saying, because it was now in the during COVID, when COVID started in, in, in the world, and it was March 2020. 
I was sending him a WhatsApp message saying, Tebojo, uh, the people that are organizing this, this hike might send a message to you saying we are postponing because the president has announced his hard lockdown, so we can't travel provincially. And Tebojo sent a short message saying, uh, so this will suit me fine if we postpone because I am in hospital as we speak. I'm fighting for my life. Those were his words. And those were the words, the last words I could hear from Tebojo because he never won that, that fight or that battle. He lost it through COVID. So it was so we lost him. And then at his memorial, I spoke because I had led him on the mountain. And as, as I was addressing his memorial, the audience, I said, well, Tebojo had uh, promised to climb a mountain in South Africa with me. And that mountain I will climb on his behalf. And he had uh, promised uh, that one day we would trek to base camp together, and I'm going to do that. So now that the shift is changing from my family to, to me celebrating this historic journey of 20 years and John, I thought, okay, it's time I fulfill a commitment to a brother and to a friend, Tebojo, um, and then climb in, in paying tribute to him and John because he was also a humanitarian person. But his sister started a foundation, uh, the Tebojo Foundation, which I will send you the details for that. But the reason I'm sharing this story is because I am going to be tracking in support of Tebojo's foundation, which raises exactly the same resources like we've been, we've been doing, but specifically school shoes for children and needs in Africa. So I we are spoke to his sister today to say this is what we are going to do. I'm going to be promoting it on my social media space starting next week. We are going to try and raise pairs of shoes. I am personally pledging 20 pairs of shoes because this is my 20th anniversary of Everest. 20 pairs of shoes will go to the Tebojo Foundation and I will be challenging people to either match my pledge or triple or quadruple or do as many. But my my wish is to raise 5,300 pairs of school shoes that will benefit 5,300 children. People ask, where does the 5,300 comes from? The 5,300 comes from the fact that I will be trekking all the way to Everest Base Camp, which is at 5,300 meters above sea level. So that is what I would want to, to so people can donate, particularly specifically now, in support of this uh, new, very inspiring and encouraging initiative for me. 5,300 pairs of shoes, which will benefit a lot of children in Africa. And there's the story around that. I'm sure you've heard me say it, that I grew up with no three meals a day. I didn't have clothes to wear. I didn't have a home. And I never wore a pair of shoes until the age of 10. So that's why I'm specifically saying let's make every uh, meter a pair of shoe to an early child in South Africa. Wow, that's amazing. I'm going to see when you send me the information and I'm going to post it everywhere in social media too. So let's see if people signing in and people, they want to uh, donate or to match the 20 pairs of shoes. That's what you said, right? Yes, for me, for the, my personal pledge, my yeah, personal pledge is twenty is twenty pairs in yeah. celebration of my twentieth anniversary. But I mean, I'm I'm challenging and encouraging other people to either match my pledge or do better. But the 
the overall target is 5,300 pairs of shoes. And what, what are the sizes? Uh, it, it's from little kids to grow uh, to uh, more adult kids, or or because yes, we sizes are for, for for primary school going children to secondary school going children. Okay. But when we launched when we launched the when I launched the uh, the the initiative, um, I will try and uh, and get that information that people when they read it's visible, it's there. Uh, but yes, we, we, we're looking at uh, primary school children to secondary school. Okay, primary, secondary. Okay, so those, those are the teeny peoples. <laughs> I'm not so teeny, but yeah. Would you like to have some last words? My last words would be to thank you again, Eva, for giving me the platform. And you've been doing it for, since we, we met. And um, so I'm very grateful to you and always lovely chatting to you and sharing my experiences. So uh, I would like to say with regard to John, at first, may his soul rest in peace. Um, he will be very interestingly all laid to rest. Uh, his burial is on, it's two days before I leave for Everest Space Camp, which is also amazing that that, was the, that would be the day. Um, I would say to people, John has taught me a lot about um, living with other people and among other people, but much more to be a, to be able to be a person's person where people you are easily approachable. Uh, but when people ask for your your help and support, you step up and go and 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 support them. That I would like us to live that spirit, and I would like people to really help me to make John's spirit live on through me and uh, let me be his legacy and let us let his spirit never just disappear or die but through me John will always live and um, very humbled for that so people can really help me achieve what Deboho, uh, my brother who okay. got taken by COVID uh, who has we had the wishes to make sure that children went to school wearing a nice pair of shoes. If we can support them, support his foundation, which I will, we will give the details um, and the website. It's an easy donate button where you do, or maybe physical pairs of shoes as well. People ask why shoes. It's because there's still a need in Africa for shoes um, as one of the resources that enables them to go to school. Because believe you me, it still gets cold in Africa in winter and children would rather stay at home and miss a school because they don't have the resources that assist them go to school. So yes, with those words, I'll say, let's do this. And then we, we let's, let's be the change that we want to see in other people. Thank you, Eva. Thank you so much. And I'm going to leave all the information below uh, the podcast. So you're going to find out where to send money, how to contact Sibusiso. We are looking for the next one, the next podcast that we were supposed to do. But this was more important at this point. So thank you so much for coming. Thank you for sharing. And um it, it warms my heart to hear your stories and special this friendship story. Thank you. Okay, bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. And until next time, goodbye.